Hi, hot grandma. Hi, sexy hot Dana. This is what we're doing now? Sexy hot I mean, Dana? Yeah. <laughs> you just can't re- You just can't think of a name. So you're just- Yeah, well, like I said, I mean, it's one of those things. I'm like, oh, man, I got to think about it. And then I don't think about it until you're saying hi to me. Okay. Can we come up with a name for me, though? I feel kind of left for out. Se- yeah, for right? season two, we're coming out hot with the name, bro. We're coming in real hot on season yeah. two. You're going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that's my name. I'm, I'm with that. So if you guys didn't um, pick up on that, welcome to the last episode of season one of Beyond the Rooms. Super excited. We fucking did it. <laughs> we did. We fucking did it. Um, this is a big win for us. Um, it took us a while to get here. We both have lives. Um, we both have a lot going on. We're both entering into different social media spaces um, to promote our brands and also promote Beyond the Rooms. And it's been a lot of trial and error. And um, this season, anyway, we really just wanted to have conversations for you guys to really get to know us and to see kind of how we flow. Because I happen to think that Tara and I have a great flow together. And it, it just kind of works. And we we knew that from the first time we ever spoke, that her and I could do this and reach people and talk about our stories and be educational and funny at the same time. So this was really just to get to know us, um, talk, get used to recording, figuring out what we were doing. And with season two, now we have a lot more substance that we want to incorp into the podcast. So we're really excited for season two. Yeah, super excited. Because especially for... Uh like for me, the jitters, you know, like just getting out the jitters and just all that stuff. I mean, I still, even today I got nervous before we hit record, but now that I'm talking, I'm fine. But it's like the, you know, just everything is still, you know, I mean, 10 episodes is still fairly new in the game, but I think we're, we're a lot more prepared for season two coming up. And, you know, like you said, I'm excited. We're going to have a lot more substance, a lot more, you know, things that flow and make sense. So it's going to be great. (laughs) And you just let me know if you need a hand, though. And that hand is not coming to season two. The little hand, I'm in the little hand gang, though. What are you talking about? <laughs> I got you. No. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Help us out. Okay, so for our last episode, yes, I had my tiny hand out, but anyhow, um, for the last episode, we took a poll on Instagram. We asked you guys what you wanted to hear from us. Um, and the biggest thing was you wanted to hear stories in active addiction and we've got, we've got enough of them. (laughs) We were really not specific as to what kind of story you wanted to hear. Um, so we're just going to kind of wing it on different types of stories that, uh, we're going to tell you guys. Um, I think we're just going to stick with active addiction in more of like, how the fuck did we get out of that situation type stories? Um, cause we've got Bonnie and Clyde you know, here with us today. I don't know if you guys know this. (laughs) Tara and her husband were totally Bonnie and Clyde for like, how long? Eight days. (laughs) All right, maybe not Bonnie and Clyde. We we were Bon and Clyde. (laughs) Not the whole names. Not the best decisions when we're in active addiction. Um, (laughs) But, um, I mean, Tara, Tara, you've got some really great ones. Um, 
and they're interesting and they're they are 100% those how the fuck did you get out of that alive or how did you get out of that so we're definitely going to go with you first <laughs> oh, great <laughs> um well you know it is it it is one of those stories that I've told a few times you know and I feel like every time that I tell this story I always miss like a huge part that I want to share you know like there's always like there's different pieces and like we've talked about before when you tell your stories especially from active addiction you know sometimes you you misremember things and that actually happened with this and that happened with that but so <laughs> now I have to explain because you just totally stopped mid-sentence <laughs> all right so as you guys know Tara's in Boston I am in yeah. I am in Florida, so when we do these recordings, we are on Skype, so we try not to talk over each other, so we do the hand raising. I didn't put up the little hand, okay? I put up my actual hand and was like, I wanted to piggyback off that, but she just stopped mid-sentence. Just was, <laughs> I was waiting for her to complete her sentence. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think that... Fine, you're the absolute cutest. I just I was like... <laughs> well, you guys she just my stopped. I, was, I mean, it's just our signal to like, yeah. you know, before you go on, let me touch on that. Um, did you finish your thought, though? I feel kind of bad. Oh, man, I don't even know what it was. But I mean, I'm sure you could. I'll get back to it. <laughs> OK, I wanted to, to put up the disclaimer, you know, like mm. because Tara, I mean, Tara and I have both done this before when we've done lives and stuff. Um. Basically, you have to understand that we both were in active addiction for so many years, and we both have really came to the understanding that our mind kind of plays tricks on us of what actually happened, um, what didn't happen, what, you know, when other people see it from different perspectives and timelines, everything is kind of blurry. You have to remember that you're in trauma reactive survival mode in those years, um, and it's sometimes hard to align your stories. I can tell you personally, the first time I ever did a story in on this space, on, on Instagram space, I totally fumbled through it. I was nervous. I did not get facts correctly. I literally lied. Let's just call a spade a spade. <laughs> but I, it wasn't I, on purpose, so I don't consider that a lie. I mean, you're absolutely correct. It was definitely not on purpose. But the fact that, like, I listened to it afterwards and I was like, oh, shit. I just fucking lied. Like, he asked me a direct question and I did not answer that correctly. And it's because for so many years, I, I lived a double life. I lived Dana, who was who was trying to be fine to everybody, and Dana, who was in a different world than active addiction. So I was constantly lying all the time. For the last couple of years, even when I did get clean and I was working a program, I, I was in NA and I was still drinking. Like, you know, like NA people were drinking, and that's what I came back into when I came back to Florida. So I was still lying. Like I was literally lying. I was living a double life all the way through for the past couple of years has been when I've been my most authentic self. And I literally give myself the five second pause rule. I think about it because I've been so quick with these responses or lie white lies, like for so many years. So to live authentically and be completely honest at all times is it's a job for somebody like me. And yeah. even for Tara, you know, it's a job for us to be, 100% when we have literally lied for so many years. So I say this now when we say things, because there are sometimes we're not going to get everything correctly, but we have a plan. 
we've talked about this, <laughs> that we eventually want to actually sit down and take time and write our story out from the beginning till kind of where we are now. But I know that that's going to be a lot of time, a lot of drafts, a lot of things to think of. There are things that I swear I say, and I'm like, yeah, that's happened. And somebody else will say it to me and be like, no, it was this way. And I'll be like, it jogs my memory. And I'm like, oh, you right. Yeah, yeah. you right about that. Like, I'm okay with saying I'm wrong. So that's what I just wanted to interject. Like, please understand that our mind has have been completely traumatized for all those years we do our best with being able to explain ourselves as best as we can and also keep it, you know, the timelines and things like I'll, I'll tell a story and then afterwards be like, Oh, but there was this. And then there was this. And then there was that, like, it just kind of happens. So yeah, that's kind of where I was at with that. Did yeah. I do okay with that? Like, I yeah. felt like I just fumbled through that. No, no, it totally makes sense. And okay. kind of to piggyback right off of that, and going into my my story here about the bank stuff, I have been saying for years it was two weeks. I've been saying it was a two-week relapse because, so for starters, I was in a sober house in Texas. My I was actually born in Texas. My mom has family in Texas. So even though I grew up in Massachusetts, when my mom didn't know what the hell to do with me, she I did you know some treatment here, and then she wanted to keep me away from my husband, who was obviously my boyfriend at the time. So she shipped me off to Texas. So I had about 90 days clean. My husband came to just visit me, and this is where all the fun started. But when we were talking about doing this, I went in like through the the folder that we have from some of the case paperwork, and I looked through it. And I was looking at the dates and I was like, holy shit, that was an eight day run. My husband served nine and a half years for an eight day run. Like it makes me sad. It makes me sick. And when I you said I that to that. me, my heart just broke when you said that. When you when we talked about this, and then you came back and said that I was like, I mean, literally, there was like this feeling that just came over me of like, that hurts. You know what I mean? Like that hurt. Yeah. I was like, damn, you know? Um, but you know, to, to kind of backtrack to where it began again, I was in a sober house in Dallas. Um, and I was at one of those ones where you could get a weekend pass. So I had my weekend pass. I said that I was going to stay at my brother cause my half brother lived down there still does actually. Um, and they didn't really check up on that stuff. So I got the plan was to get a hotel room, with my husband and just hang out, catch up, see each other. He had told me he was clean, doing the right thing. Um, and I thought that he, like, he sent me a pair of sneakers and it was like, okay, if he was using, he would not send me a pair of Nike sneakers. It was like shocks. Remember Nike shocks? Oh, <laughs> yeah. they were like this. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, I was like, there's no way he would send me these if he was using. There's no way he could get a plane ticket if he was using. Right. So he gets off the plane. Now I think he has like a, a round trip plane ticket. He doesn't. His mom got, he basically told his mom, like, I'm trying to get help. Tara went to Texas. Just get me a plane ticket down there and I'll figure it out. So he kind of, um, you know, he just wanted to see me and like looking back at it, it's kind of was a shitty thing to do in a city, shitty situation to put me in, you know, but he just, he didn't know what the hell to do with himself. And he knew that, you know, I had some clean time and maybe I could help him, but that never works because it always goes opposite. You know, yeah, you always get pulled down. So I see him, I go to the airport, 
He has a Newbury Comics bag. I don't know if you guys have Newbury Comics. I don't know if it's a national place, but it's basically just like it used to have like CDs and movies and, but they would have like a lot of like team stickers. And I had said, I wanted like some Boston bumper stickers and stuff for my car. So he has a little Newberry comics bag, which he did bring my Boston stickers, poor thing, but he didn't bring any clothes. He didn't bring anything. And I knew just the bag, just the bag with my little stickers, Red Sox stickers. That's a dead giveaway. (laughs) Yeah. I'm thinking he's at least going to have a backpack. Right. And I saw him from, I don't know how many feet away, but fucking far enough to know he is strung out like a motherfucker. Yep. <laughs> that one bag gave it away, bro. <laughs> so he gets in the car and I'm like, you're not fucking clean. I hope you fucking brought me something, you know, 90 days clean, right? Just throw that out the window, you know, like you motherfucker. That would have been my, my first response too, just so you know. Absolutely. Especially back then, like my, like my whole I was really just beginning. My mom was hoping I was at my end there, but I was really just getting started, you know? Um, and and he's like, no, you know, I did it all at the airport. I tried to save you some, blah, 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 blah. So homeboy has nothing, okay? He's been using this whole time. He's going to be sick, okay? He's going to be sick. So I'm like, what the hell? So now all I can think about is getting high. That's all I can think about now, you know? Absolutely. So we did the next best thing, and I got a bottle of Captain Morgan and got drunk. I don't really remember that night, but I know the next day we're driving around, and I'm like, well, what the hell are we going to do? I had like a $200 paycheck to my name that I could pick up that next day. He had fucking no money, <laughs> you know? So we're talking about it. He's like, have I ever steered you wrong? And I'm like, well, fucking kind of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a little bit. Um, and... He's like, I'll take care of it. I'll figure it out. He's like, you know, I'll just rob a bank. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, like, blah, 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 blah. And we're driving around. Now, this is where my memory, like, I don't know. I don't know. I know, I remember pulling over. I remember him getting out. I don't remember if I consciously think or know that he's really going to get money when he comes out. You know, like, it just seemed, like, the, the dots did not connect there. So... The next thing I know, and it was like I parked around the corner. So he comes around the corner. He's walking briskly. And he gets in the car and he, you know, sticks his hand down his pants and he has a big wad of money. And I'm like, holy fuck, you know. And I honestly can't remember if I was driving or if he was driving. I've told the story both ways. (laughs) I don't remember who was driving. I really, really honestly don't. I'm going to ask him if he remembers. Um and then I remember I was like, he was like, all right, well, we got to go, you know? And I'm like, well, where the fuck are we going? Got to go. <laughs> you know? And he's like, well, you don't know anyone that can get shit down here? I'm like, no. Like, I go to I go to meetings and, like, these people are actually, like, working the program. He's like, come on, bro. I'm like, I'm serious. Like, these people are really working the program. I don't know. And I didn't, you know? So we figured, you know, Boston, you go into the Boston, into the city, you can get anything. So we figured Dallas will go in the city. You can get anything. Not the same. Dallas is not the same. They ha- Obviously, you can get drugs in Dallas, but it's not in the parts that we thought you would get it at. We went to downtown Dallas and it was like basically shut down. You know, it was like a Saturday and there was like nothing going on there, you know. And um, so so we drove. We're like, well, f- well, fuck it. We'll just go to Massachusetts. Like we know we know we can get shit there. We're just going to go. So at that first bank. I can tell you the exact amount that we got because I know that's always a question. And 
there's a couple of um where did it say it? i'm just so impressed you have your paperwork well my husband keeps everything because in men's prison you have to have your paperwork you have to show your paperwork or people won't talk to you you know interesting yeah um so in that first bank we got $1,299. Now, when you're on drugs and your biggest goal is to get $100 to $120 a day, you know, that's a good day. That's score right there what you made. Yeah. And, like, I was 22. So, I mean, I'm used to making, like, $200 paychecks. I'm, you know, to me, that's something. Like, now, that doesn't even pay my rent. You know? Right. <laughs> but then it sounded like a nice chunk of money. And he just all he did was write a note on the back of a deposit slip if there was a line he would wait in line it was just a simple one teller thing not to make a scene so he could get in and get out you know not like the hollywood big takeover thing it was a very simple process you know so long story short because there's a whole bunch of stuff and there's a whole bunch of shit that i honestly don't remember you know um but so that first bank that we robbed was on 417 2008 okay then we robbed one on 421. The one that we robbed on 421, we got $670. Wow. 600, sorry, no, $620. Okay. Then we robbed another one on 422 the next day because we, <laughs> you know, we had a hotel room, paid for our shit, and we're broke the next day. The next one we got 3,250. Decent one. That was a decent one. That was on 422, 425. So not that many days later, broke again, need more money. Watertown Savings was our best one, 4,950, okay? The next day, so kind of to back up a little bit, that night, because the person who gave us up was actually the same drug dealer with, that was getting every single penny of the money that we robbed from these banks. We didn't know that he was an informant. He'd been our drug dealer for years. I'd known this guy for fucking ever, you know? That night, my husband, we were, we were like, we gotta get out of here. Cause we were robbing banks in Belmont and Watertown, but we're very known. We're very known, you know, I grew up, I went to Belmont High, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. his brothers, his brothers, his younger brothers grew up in Watertown. Like it was stupid. He's been arrested in Watertown. Like we were hot. So my husband's like, well, we're probably gonna have to take some things up a notch. You know, he had this thing, like we knew we wanted to die. The goal was, you know, to just eventually have enough drugs to die, but it just did, wasn't happening. We weren't ready to die yet. We wanted to spend more time, you know, that stupid, like super dramatic, just like on drugs, so depressed, but so in love. And so just like, I you know, know it well, like, <laughs> relationships, <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Oh my God. So so, yeah, so that night our drug dealer, the informant, sold us a gun, okay? So the next day we're getting ready to leave. We were actually headed towards Florida because we're like, fucking, why wouldn't we go to Florida? Oh, and... we were popping off in 2008 in Florida. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We're like, it just makes sense. Um, and so my husband knew something was kind of up. He's like, you know, we called him. We were going to meet him at the Galleria Mall. We went to the Galleria Mall and we're waiting. And my husband's like, something's not right. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And I do remember this part. He said, well, he said he's on his way on his motorcycle, but how is he talking on the phone on his motorcycle with no wind in the background? And I'm like, yeah, that's true, but drug dealers lie, you know, so we didn't really think a whole lot about it. I mean, how many times have they said five more minutes and it's three more hours? You know, it's not the first time that a drug dealer lies, but my husband's bells were going off, 
you know? And I remember he said, all right, he's here. And we were still inside the mall and there was like an escalator thing. And my husband said, you go down, get the car and then meet me out front. And then we'll just meet him down the street. Okay. He gives me like a little bit of money just in case, whatever. I'm like, okay. So I go to the car, I get close to the car and all of a sudden I just hear yelling, like screaming. And I'm like, what the hell? Like what's going on? You know? And I see all these plain clothes people and then they all have their guns drawn like at my, in my face. Like they're all like drawing the, and I'm like, first I'm like, is it like a gang? Do they know we have money? Like the, my first reaction was not, it's the cops that were caught. Like I didn't even like, that was not the first thing. And then when they threw me to the ground and they were like, it's the police, blah, 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 blah. Where's the gun? Where's this? Where I'm like, blah. you know, I was like, oh shit, you know, it's the cops. So they're picking me back up. Now where the garage was, where I was supposed to go out, I see my husband walking down the thing. And then I saw like some of those Tahoes just, I didn't even know they were there. They sped up to him. They got out of the car, tackled him to the ground. And I mean, he got in that car and he didn't get out for nine and a half years, <laughs> you know. Uh, but that is the the main thing that I want to say, like the main, like, I guess, objective or takeaway from this story that I really want people to understand is like the the way that I was sitting there 90 days and 90 days is not a whole lot, but 90 days like still trying to figure out life, still not sure if I wanted to be sober. And it just took seeing him like that to instantly fuck recovery, fuck everything that I learned. Like, I just want to get high. And like that focus is on the high and like bank robbery, stupid. Of course it's stupid. We knew it was stupid. We knew, well, we hoped we weren't going to get caught and we hoped that we were going to die. And that's like the the desperation and the, just that living for that day. Do we have enough money to get high today? And, you know, that's it. That's it. That's basically where it ends. I mean, there's no further thinking than do we have enough money to get high today? If we don't, how are we going to get that money? And then you throw in a little bit of fun with like the bank robbery stuff. And then like where my parents were trying to keep us away. And when you're, when you're strung out like that, you are depressed. Obviously your life's a fucking mess. So it's just everything is that much more amplified and that much more worse. Like if something's bad, it's fucking terrible, you know, and it's just that when you're in it, like looking at it, like when I look at the stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, like we're so stupid, you know, but it there was no like it's just I don't know how to describe it, but there was no rationalizing. There was no there was no thinking. It was just money. Yeah. okay, let's get it. That's it. You know, and that's basically that story in a very nutshell. But yeah. Man, it still kills me how long he did. Did your husband have priors beforehand? Yeah. Yes, okay. he did. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah went, and you didn't, right? No, I didn't. I didn't. So what ended up happening with him, the feds, because he, he got uh, prosecuted federally. And the feds said, we're not going to touch her. Don't worry about it. Well, the state picked it up. And the state charged me and I would have been better off if I was charged by the feds, you know, because uh, in Massachusetts, you have an unregistered firearm. That's what I everything else got dropped. But the firearm being in my car. So that's what they got me with was an unregistered firearm. That was that's like what's on my record. Uh, and that's a man. It's 18 months mandatory. So even though it was my first charge, I couldn't earn any good time. I couldn't do a suspended sentence. Nothing. I had to do the full 18 months, you know. Yeah. I, 
it just hit me so much in my feels when you had said that your plan, you know, was to die and also just living for the day, because that is 100% how I was as well. I literally, towards the end of my addiction, because my addiction played like two parts. First, it was like high rolling, making all this money, doing this and that. And then it became complete junkie stunt activities and being on autopilot at all times and doing anything and everything to use and to be able to use at any cost. Um, But I remember in my last, my last time of getting and being in active addiction, um, you know, I I was trying to take so many pills just to not wake up anymore because I did, I didn't want to deal with it again. Mm -hmm. I'd been in treatment so many times and I didn't want to have to do it again. Um, You know, and and of course I got caught again, like people knew this and that, and I was doing it, for everybody else's reasons besides my own back then. My last relapse, like I said, was, you know, a couple of years ago. And that was when I did it for myself. But back then I was having to do it for other people and everybody telling me how disappointed and this and that. And everybody in my life at that time was, you know, at college or graduating college or people were getting married and having kids and I'm in and out of treatment centers and now, you know, getting arrested and I am with all the wrong people. So that was my plan too. Like it only mattered for that day, how much money you could get to be able to use. And then you worry about everything else tomorrow. You don't care about it. You just worry about how you have to. And that same cycle happens every single day. Mm -hmm. And I don't even understand how we live through waking up and having to deal with that all over again the next day. Because at the end for me, the end for me was bad, you know, and you know what it's like, even though you have what you need for that day, you know, you're going to be sick the next morning. And even you tell yourself, let me save myself from morning. You never do. You do it all, (laughs) you know, just so you know, you won't be sick the next day, but you still put yourself in that fucked up position, you know, and just the just the, the, the same that we have, we're so aligned with the same mentality that we had back then. You know, that other addicts are in the same boat as us where you're only living to use for that day, not worrying about the next day. And your goal is to die. So you don't have to deal with it anymore. Yes. It's just so crazy. Like sometimes I think about, because especially with what we're doing, I think about the past so much like uh, and you looking at that paperwork, I was just watching you look at that paper. Like, I'm so stupid. I feel the same way. Like, I would love to have a fucking conversation with 22 year old Dana. Oh my like God. right now as 37 year old woman, Dana, I'd love to have a conversation with 22 year old and see how fucking far I get. Because I can now, now I know what everyone was talking about because what now at this state of mind, looking at it, I'm like, <laughs> you are out of your mind. Like, there was no reason for you to do anything of what you were doing ever. Not ever. You right. know? But but did 22-year-old Dana even want to get sober though? Because 22-year-old Tara didn't. No. And I can I can say that confidently now that no. But back then I would tell you yes. Right. Because right, right. I wanted to please everybody. Right. But my next relapse, my next high was always planned. Like it was, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'll be able to do it one more time. And I cannot, like I can never do something in that opiate category ever again, not one time, even at this stage of the game, it doesn't work. I mean, I just proved it to myself years, a couple of years ago, you know, in, it was, I think it was in 2017, you know, I was with my husband at the time. I, I literally was on a boat and slipped and hurt my hand. And then that was it. It was off the mm. fucking races after that. But I stopped myself. 
I was the one that made my, like, I was clearly in the right, not in the right state of mind, but in a state where I was like, you are going on a, we're done. And then when you notice that other people are noticing your arm, because you can notice it. That was really the eye opening for me because then after clearly right after I like came to my sentence and senses and <laughs> made the plan to like get better. My best friend, Bobby came to me. He's like, you want to tell me what the fuck's going on? Like, that's how that was. And it's just crazy because back then, no, the, I, I was always planning for the next time to get high. I always thought I, I, I could do this one more time or I could get better at doing it. That was my thought process. Like maybe I just need to learn how to do it better. And that's not, that's not how it worked. And when I first started, when I first, when I first started going to treatment, like that's what's <laughs> going to be my sentence. Cause it's, but it's true. It is so true. The first time I went to treatment, I didn't know enough. Like, the first right. time that I had Roxy's prescribed to me, they were prescribed to me. And then I realized that people were doing them around me. And I was like, oh, well, this must be okay because a doctor gives it to you. And we party with them, you know. I knew very little. And very quickly, I had a full-blown addiction, you know. And the first time I went to treatment, I knew nothing about anything about <laughs> – I knew nothing. Like that like that movie Blow. You walk in with like a minor in marijuana and a doctorate in cocaine. Well, I walked in a minor with Roxy's and a full-blown bachelor's degree, master's degree at that point, with everything you could do to the system and how you and and, and how you could use it and how you could make money too. Right. Which was even crazier. And that set the tone for the next part of my life. And at that time, I was 20. Like Oof. my first time I went to, sorry, not 20, I was 21. Like it was completely just insane. Like maybe it was, 20. was it 21? I'd have to ask my mom the first time I went to rehab, seriously. Cause I don't even remember the age, but I was so young. And then at that young to have, and okay. And then let's take it all the way back. Like you don't have social media. Nobody is behind their cameras right. anymore. You are literally out in the world. People are partying. Like it's that type of atmosphere, you know? So here's a badass Dana thinking that she's the shit trying to be, a, you know, being in this world. And I had no business being a part of. When I tell you that I was put in several situations as to how I don't know how I'm not spending the rest of my life in jail or, you know, just even alive. I'm very serious about that because there was a price on my head twice. So, I mean, I, like I said, I started off in the beginning where it was like, this is high rolling. Great. We're making this money. We have, you know, we have stuff to party with. Woohoo. Like we're doing amazing. And then it just clearly went downhill. And that ne when you're up, you never stay that, that far up, you know, you're always going to crash down and burn. And that's exactly what happened with me. Um, so the, the one story that I'm going to go into, um, this was one of these situations that I don't even understand how I made it out of the live and I don't have any gun experience. So let me just say that first. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've shot a gun a couple times, but like, it's never been like a huge part of it. There were people around me who would always have guns on them and stuff like that, especially when we started like really hustling. Um, that, that's just kind of how that worked, but I wasn't th that person. Like I'd eventually had a piece, but I never did anything with it. It mostly stayed in the case, you know, like I never did anything with it, it was just to have it. Cause you could buy it. Cause somebody said you should have it. Right. Um, but when we used to go do drops, um, I used to have two, like it'd be me and another person. And that person would sit in the back seat. And back then you were doing drops in the car and like parking lots and like whatever back alleys. 
Um, it wasn't until I got my game a little bit up where we actually had like a place where we rented and that was like the spot we ran out of. I was just thinking, do you want to explain what a drop is? Cause not everybody probably knows. That's actually really, that's, <laughs> that's good, Sarah. I didn't think about that. Um, so when you're dropping off drugs, <laughs> basically, um, it's basically just meeting somebody to do a handoff where you're giving me the money and I'm giving you the product basically. So you're just doing a drop. Um, not like we're, you know, not like we're dropping this episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> transaction. Um, so I would always go with two people. There would always be somebody I'd go with and we'd meet them. They'd always come in my vehicle and, you know, money, you know, product in and out. Um, we would try to do, like, you're always, you're always trying to stay ahead of the cops too. Like with what you're doing, you're always, you know, watching what you're doing. But this time I didn't have anybody to go with me and I happened to be picking a product and I was just, I wanted what I wanted and I didn't care. And, you know, the junkie bells were going off a little bit of like, you shouldn't do this. But I was like, fuck it. I'm good. Like I've met this person a million times. We're totally fine. I get there. And at this point, I think he knows and sees that like, there's nobody in the back seat of my car. So he jumps in this, in the front seat and our conversation's kind of quick. And he's like, all right, let me see the money. And I'm like, that's not how this works. And then he pulled a gun on me and I don't know what my, I don't know what the fuck Dana at 20 something was thinking, but I grabbed the gun and just pulled it out of his hand. was like, what motherfucker? You want me to use this? You want me to use this? And he got like so scared of my reaction and started to get like physically to get out of the car. And I went, went on the gas as he was trying to get out. And I literally lifted myself out of the seat and just fucking kicked him and didn't even really think. And he rolled out of my car and I just kept fucking going. And then I've got this gun in my hand and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like I have a gun in my hand. Like, Like it was one of the most crazy experiences of my life. Plus I was filled with so much adrenaline. I was speeding. Okay, I was speeding so fast that I didn't realize how fast I was going, and a cop pulled me over. Shut the fuck up. No, I am so serious. <laughs> the cop pulled me over, and I was in my town. So thankfully, when the cop pulled me over, I was was able to pull out my nice, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I had to pee so bad. Like I was just trying to get blah, blah, blah. And like, I was so young, so dumb. I'm like fumbling. I'm like, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And I'm being so talkative to the guy was just like, and I could tell he's like, let me see your license, your registered. He was not having it, but he got another fucking call that was more important than me. Okay. And okay. So before he even pulled me over, I had no idea what to do with the gun that I just put the gun in the back seat behind the seat down like there where you couldn't see it, but I knew it was there. Like, you know, and I didn't know, like, I didn't know enough about guns. I'm like, is it going to go off? Like, what is going to happen? I have no idea how I got out of, I, I escaped two situations so incredibly bad. The first one was having a gun completely in my face. Who the fuck was I to grab a gun out of somebody who had a gun? Like, are you out of your mind? Like, I don't even understand how that happened. And then on top of it, I was speeding so fast to get back to like my people. Cause like, I thought they were after me now, you know, and I get pulled over by a cop, no less. And then he gets busy and he's like, don't speed again, blah, blah, blah. This is a warning. And then takes off and I'm sitting there for a second. And I was just like, now my high's coming down. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm not even high anymore at this point. 
I'm like, what the fuck is going on around here? I did not know. I did not know anything at that point. And I came back to the house, like where I was. And I'm like, everybody at that point said, I look like a ghost. Like I'm a tan girl back then, especially back in the late 2000s. I literally looked like Snooki. Like <laughs> literally they were all like, you looked completely white. We had absolutely no idea what the fuck just happened to you. Yeah. Oh my God, bro. Dude, that could have he could have accidentally fucking pulled the trigger when he would wrestle that. Like that could have gone. I mean, there's so many things. So that could have gone so fucking bad. So many ways. So, so many ways bad. that could have happened. Oh my god, bro. That's one of my like um, moments where I didn't realize what was happening, and then after the fact, yeah. replayed it in my head and was like, "What did you like? Whoa! Like that was." That was one of those moments yeah. where I just could not believe that I did anything like that. And still sometimes to this day, like, I, I think about that. I'm like, did that happen? Like, <laughs> you, just, you just, it yeah. was so much adrenaline going on. And I don't know why I could never, people have asked me, like, what made you just grab the gun? Why didn't you just give them the money? I have no idea. Like, I was talking, like, you know, when you're in your car and you kind of face each other and you're talking you know, and my hand was on the wheel. And as soon as he pointed the gun, I just grabbed it. And I was like, wow. what the fuck you want me to fucking use? And I'm not even at this point, I'm not even drawing it at him. I'm literally holding it in the air, you know, like holding it by the point, like that point, you know what I mean? Like holding it. And I'm like, just what? <laughs> oh and then God. I take off on the gas and I didn't even think when he was in the car, he was like trying to hold on. And I just fucking kicked him out. And I really wasn't going that fast. And I don't give a fuck anyway. You just pulled a gun on me, you know? So did you ever see him again? Yes. Oh. Yes. He was seen again. Oh, man. Not in a nice way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was seen again. I knew exactly where he was, and I pulled right the fuck up on him and robbed him and his fucking crew. I didn't even think twice about it. And back then, I would do things like that and not even think about it. You know, I kind of rolled deep with people who... I knew for a long time that wanted to make money too. It mm. started out for us. Like I said, we got into this business, so to speak, uh, sending people to the doctor, mm -hmm. you, you know, the, the pharmacies back then through the counties in Florida weren't connected. We knew, we were the pill mill, you know, everybody knew you come to Florida, you hit up a bunch of counties and you get pills. Well, there were doctors that were in on this and they were okay with you you know, bringing them as many people so they could write as many scripts and you taking, you know, that, that was a cut, like it was a, it was a deal with them too. Right. Um, so you would send people to the doctors and like, we used to have Zephyr Hill bottles, those huge, you know, gallon ones that you have delivered to your house. We used to have them filled and filled with them because we would send so many people and we would, depending on what the deal was, we would split the script with it or we would take mostly 75 of it and keep you with 25% of the script. You know, we would sponsor, you'd pay for everything, you know, and we'd go to the right doctors in the right counties. And when you got multiple people going for you and you're making this kind of money and you're flooding the streets with this, and you know, not thinking twice about it. And I was super quiet about it. People knew, but people didn't know. And it's funny because now when I talk about things with people who were hanging out with me in that time, I didn't realize how much a fucking liar I was to everybody too, because most people didn't really know what I had going on. And I played the part too. Like if they were buying pills, I'd be like, Oh, get me five too. But I'd have them just because I didn't want people knowing that things were coming from me. What did it matter? Most of the time it was probably going back in my pocket. 
Right. You know, it didn't matter to me because I just, I just didn't want a lot of people knowing what was going on. But I kept a certain amount of people around me that didn't really intertwine with my friends at that time. Um, and I was lying to the person I was seeing too. Like he knew nothing of what was going on. What? It was, it was, I was living a double life for such a long time. And when I had people, those people around me that were on the outskirts of my town that I dealt with, not really in my friend's circle. Um, you know, I kept those people around me for a reason because when things like this happened to me, it was, you know, they stole from us. (laughs) That's one way to get guys who were, Selling with you angry. They they were trying to steal from us, you know. They're gonna go teach you a lesson. Right. And it's it's not anything I'm proud of now, but you know, that's just how it worked back then. Now I could never even think about doing anything like that. I would never fight anybody either unless right. I was fighting for my life or for something else, you know. I would never just walk up to somebody and just be like, let's go, I'm gonna let you. My motto was that people knew this about me. Like I would walk up to somebody and be like, I'm gonna let you hit me first, because then I'm gonna beat the fuck out of you. So go ahead. Yeah. Hit me one good time because that's all you're gonna get. <laughs> and that's how I used to act. Like I my husband like to be. Now that's not even me. You mm-hmm. know, that person who is fueled by drugs is a completely different person than I am now. That's why I say I'd love to have a conversation with her, kind of see where it would go. Right. You know, because sometimes I can't even remember what people tell me about myself, how they saw me. Oh yeah. And how I really was. You know, it's it's interesting because like both of both of these stories. Like they both had like our intuition. I don't know what the hell it is. We both had signs. Do not proceed. This is going to be bad. And we proceeded. And it's crazy because now my anxiety won't let me go to a cannabis meetup. But my anxiety back then will let would it did it like I could just I could just it just I could push it away. If there were drugs on the line, no amount of anxiety. No amount of bells, no amount of nothing. There was nothing that was going to get between me and those drugs. And, and I just think it's interesting, like both stories, we knew this is this is probably a bad idea. We should probably not continue. But the chance of it working out outweighed any bit of, well, this is probably a bad idea. Because in the end, there's probably going to be drugs in my hand. And that's what I care about, you know? Absolutely. It's so sad how our thought process was because I did have those bells going off. Like, this is definitely not a good idea. And yeah. yet I was still like, but I want that. Like, I want to roll right. it. In. Like, I want to do this with it. And I was high. I was already high, you know, taking blue. So it was like, all right, you're fine. We're good. We got this. We've done this a million times, you right. know. But in so many situations like that, that have just happened that way, you know, I, I sometimes don't understand, like I said, how, how I didn't have more happen to me. And I'm grateful. Yeah. That I didn't, um, you know, I've been in a lot of different sticky situations, but, you know, it's something, whatever, wherever, however, or why I went through it, I'm here now, you know, and I know that I didn't get here. We've said this a million times. I didn't get here just to sit here and to do nothing. You know, I have to share my story experience so I can be relatable to other people and know that you're not alone. You don't have to be shameful of your past. And then be able to help them with what we're going through because we still don't have it figured out. And it helps people because everybody is still growing through it at every stage and process of their life. Totally. So we're just trying to be that bridge to to talk about it, you know. And I'm going to tell one more story, you know, about because with the whole cop thing. Um, So 
in the middle of me doing stuff, not before it got really bad, um, I actually would drive two vehicles. Like I would have my one for, for home, you know, hometown area. And like, I could never let my parents know I had like money too. <clears throat> and then it got really bad to where I didn't have any money. And I was pawning everything, everything. <laughs> right. but, but anyhow, <laughs> but in the middle, um, I would drive my car like out of where I'm from. And then I would drive it out into like the other areas and stuff like that. And one time I was coming back and I thought I was so good about like being stealth type thing. Like nobody knows what I'm doing. You know, I'm so good at this. Like nobody sees this, but my parents had a really, really long, um, into their entrance of their community. They had like a really long road. Um, and I got stopped at the front of it by like a couple of different officers that literally just had like, get out on the floor, get on the ground, get on the ground. And wouldn't tell, didn't read me my rights, but didn't say what I was being arrested for. And, um, I ended up getting taken to, in, in, not to the county jail where you get processed. Cause I knew that's where you went. They took me to a station like in the town and kept me there for two days and was wanting to talk to me like about, they kept asking me like, we don't want who you, we want who you're working for. At that time period of my life, I was not working with anybody. I did years lay on the line, but that time in my life, I was literally doing this with like a small amount of people and getting pills and kind of, you know, doing that whole doctor shopping thing. Literally did not work for anybody, but they kept me there for two days drilling me. And the only thing I kept saying over and over is I want my lawyer. I want my lawyer. And I don't even know why I did that because Years later down the line, when I was getting arrested and actually getting in trouble and getting processed, I told on myself. I was like, absolutely. I was like, I did it. Because I wasn't going to rat on anybody. Right. And I, I definitely was like, yeah, it was me. You know, like, I, I took the blame for, like, a part that I knew that they wanted, but I wasn't going to give up anything else. So you can now fucking arrest me. And they could arrest me. You know what I mean? So I was like, I'm more scared of those other people, so you could totally arrest me. But at this time... I wasn't, and I, I just kept saying lawyer, 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 and they literally were drilling me, wanted to talk about things. I, I They were talking to me about people. I had no idea. They literally got me, like, mixed up thinking I must have crossed paths in some way with some other people that they were really honed in on, and they thought that they could get me, mm-hmm. and it just didn't work. And they thought that they could scare me because I'm from a really nice town or yeah. whatever, and, like, it didn't scare me. It just was, like, my lawyer. Like, you, you came at the wrong one. Like, can I please have my lawyer? Like, over and over and over and over and over again. Finally, they decided to let me go. They took me from the station and dropped me back in the same place. My car got fucking towed, okay? <laughs> and dropped me back in the same place. But I learned then, and you've said this before, they had nothing. Mm-hmm. And I could have gotten myself into trouble. Yes. So... The moral of that story is, is to not rat on yourself. Absolutely. Ask for the right, ask for a lawyer so they can help you through that process because it's a process and they, people go to school and learn all about our judicial system to be able to process people. We don't, we don't, don't, I don't know anything about that shit. So you need somebody to help you through that. And I, if I would have talked about anything that was going on with me that day, if I would have been scared, like whatever, I could have gotten into so much trouble that day, but that was the day that I realized that cops did whatever the fuck they wanted back in, yes. at least in that time period. And let me say this first, still I have the utmost respect for law enforcement. I appreciate everything they do for us, but that taught me that day. And also I had cops on the take, so let's not fucking play about that. Like they, there, there were 100% can do what they want 
to try to get something out of you. And then they got to let you go. Then eventually mm-hmm. they got to let you go. So I learned then. And then I even tried to go back to the clubhouse at like the security gate. You went in to see the camera because I knew they had cameras. And those motherfuckers stopped me right up at the front. So I couldn't see who they were or what was going on. Nothing ever came from it too. I thought that I was like, nothing ever came from it, but it was crazy because I knew that like, I knew then that I couldn't tell them anything. And I just, they kept talking about all this stuff that I had no idea who they were talking about, but it was the craziest thing that absolutely ever, that ever happened to me when it came to the police. Now, the next time around that I got in trouble, um, it was at the end of my treatment. I was actually in a treatment facility. I was already getting trouble left and right at this point. This was at the last stint of everything. Now I'm just trying to die because I don't want to go back to treatment. Didn't happen. Then I end up going to treatment and I went to a state run facility. So I don't know how it really worked back then, but the cops came in and talked to me and they wanted the people who I was working with then. And I literally looked at them and I was like, you are out of your mind. If you think I am going to say anything because I do not, I'm more afraid of them than I am of you. So that's not going to happen. They basically said, well, we want you to go tell them and tell them the jig is up and we know everything and you're going to jail. I was like, okay, I can do that. I'm disposable to them. It doesn't matter. Right. So I took a day pass cause I was doing really good. I changed my day pass like six times. I, to get to, to, to where they were, I literally probably took seven different routes, backtracked, make sure I wasn't filed. I followed. I was so scared. Mm. And at that time, too, at the end of everything, I had already been through some shit and had and literally had a price on my head. So I was always watching over my shoulder anyway. Yeah. Um, and got there and talked to talk to them. I'm like, listen, the jig is up. And they told me they're going to arrest me. And basically, um, yeah, I'm here. They, they wanted me to come. I promised I wasn't followed. I did what I needed to do, you know, this and that. And I thought that I was going to die that day. I thought me walking in there was going to be it because at the end of, at the end of everything, I can't even believe I got out of where I was with working with them. But I, for some, they, in some, some, there were circumstances as to why they felt bad and basically gave me a, a pass so to speak. Um, but I, I, they basically told me to leave here to never come back and to go get better and don't worry about anything. And nothing ever came of that. And I was in trouble already with my mom. Like my mom already knew that I had pawn shit. She was trying to like get me in trouble already. Like she had been done with me, you know, like there was already so much that was going on. And I just can't believe that nothing ever came of that either. Like, there's just certain situations where I wonder, like, are you ever going to come knock on my door again? Like, there's just things that just never happen. And believe me, I had searched the web. I had looked for, you know, did I have a warrant for years of my life? And nothing ever came of it. And I never understood why. And those people were involved with some things that I didn't know that were happening. I mean, you do, but you don't. And back then, you don't care. You're only there for what you're there for. And I, I just didn't know. And they're, you know... Rightfully so. They had to go after what they were doing. But at the same time, you know, I just can't believe nothing ever came of it. Like you, you, you scared the shit out of me. And I once again did not tell on myself, but like that last time that I got in trouble, I literally told on myself. Well, I was going to say, I mean, it's amazing what doesn't come when you don't say anything. You know what I mean? When you don't give them a case, is really like, and again, I appreciate good police work and everything, but majority of people, 
give themselves up. You know, majority of the time it's, it's, they have nothing. They're asking you questions. They're saying the person next to you already told them everything that you need to know. But I mean, if they have everything they need to know to arrest you, they just going to cuff you up and, and arrest you. You know, like when they're talking to you, it's because they need your statement to arrest you. Yeah, <laughs> you <know>? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so yep. if you don't give them that, it's yeah. really actually a lot harder to convict people of, of crimes than, than you think, you know, but it's just everyone always gives themselves up, you know. And I've been on the side of it where I've seen two sides. I've seen cops that are dedicated, who are there to ser- serve and protect and to be there for us and who have helped me when I've been a victim. Um, and then I've seen the other part where they're dirty. And they're mm-hmm. just trying to make money and trying to exploit you for what you're doing and trying to control you because you are on the other side of the law, yes. which has happened to me before. You know, I got taken one time. Um, man, this is, a, this is an iffy one, but I got, I got, I um, basically they kind of knew what we were doing and um, you know pretended like they were going to throw the book at us and they just wanted to get paid, you know. And it was easy to pay them. Right. It was was easy to just pay them. And then you're even though you you paid them, you just paid some beat cop. You didn't pay the the big guys. So it doesn't matter. You know, now you're still looking over your shoulder and now they're going to come take money whenever they want from you. Right. You know, so it's it's a it's a you know, you always have the good with the bad with absolutely everything, you know, and I have friends that are cops now and they're amazing at their job and I support them, you know, and it's just. I, I, there's different, like I said, good with the bad with everything, really. There's always a good and a bad side to everything that we do. Totally. Totally. I'm just glad that we're out of that life because I could not keep up these days. (laughs) I mean, even the people who we are now, you know, when people meet me and I talk about my stories, it's only other addicts who have been in that place who can truly understand me, but then other people who have never been in addiction and had to deal with an opioid dependent, you know, your, your body being addicted to that and it taking control of you and being on autopilot, they'll look at you and be like, how could you do that? And it's automatic judgment because they would never yeah. expect you to do that. Um, but, you know, that it's just what happens. But other addicts can understand it. I can tell I can tell you a story of anything and you can be like bro that's crazy (laughs) and that and that be it you don't judge me you know it's it's you can actually relate to it and you've got a story to tell me too like you're next to tell me something else right um so it's just interesting i mean i i i could go on for days telling stories stories and stories and um you know, I am going to be honest about something. Tara and I recorded this recorded this episode um, already, and um, I I told a different story, a story that I'm not proud of, and um, I couldn't publish it. And it it wasn't because anything other than when I tell Tara or another addict that story, they can understand it. When I tell somebody else stories like that, I'm automatically judged and they don't understand it. Maybe one day I'll be able to really fully say everything I want to, but I'm not ready yet for some places because I'm still dealing with it all. Right. I still deal with the things that I've done in my past. I still go to therapy. I still deal with the person who I used to be who doesn't exist anymore that I can't even remember. 
why I did the things I did or whatever. And um, thankfully, on this journey right now, I have a partner who understands and is sympathetic and loving and gets it more than anything. And I appreciate you for that, Tara, because it's been a hard couple of days for me. And I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I guess I needed to because there are still things about me in my past that I'm probably not going to get into because I'm still dealing with them. And yeah. that needs to be understood and said and stated now. Um, and I also, when it comes to stories, I don't want to glorify them. Right. I'll tell them, but this is not something I'm proud of. Even us right. like talking about them, even though we're laughing and joking, we're telling you things about our past and we've been able to come to terms with things that we're talking about, but there's still, there's still skeletons in our closet that we're, I think we're always going to have to deal with. Um, and eventually when we do come to terms, at least for me personally, when I come to terms with things and still are, I'm okay with the person that I used to be, hopefully I'll be able to write this book one day. Cause I think that our books would be bestsellers. Oh, hell yeah. To be quite honest. It'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. But I get it. I mean, I have one story that I'm, I'm pretty, I would tell you like off air, but I wouldn't even tell you on a, on re I would like make sure it's not recorded at all. <laughs> you know, like I think we all have like a story or two that's like our grave story, you know, our take it to the grave story. And, you know, it's just part of the records of our past. We do shit that, I mean, now, like I said, now I won't even cross the street without using the crosswalk. You know, I don't press the button, but I use the crosswalk <laughs> and it's just stupid, you know, little stupid shit like that, that it goes to show you how you're basically hijacked. You're completely hijacked by that drug and by that addiction. And, and you know, it just, there's really, there's no reasoning with it. It doesn't make sense. And to anyone who's not in it, you sound like a scumbag. And, you know, saying the stories, you feel like a scumbag. I mean, they're like, you have to laugh because if you don't laugh, you're like, wow, I'm a fucking piece of shit. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Absolutely. You know, this is what it is at this point. But you're absolutely correct. We're hijacked in that yeah. time period. And then the real you who's trying to grow through life has to remember that person. Um, and you know, the story that I told before, I didn't even really remember it until Tara was talking about something. And then it just kind of jogged my memory. And I didn't say it correctly. And maybe I will share it one day correctly, but I just didn't say it correctly. And after listening to when we were editing and listening to it, I'm like, whoa, that's, that's <laughs> I did not. That's one of those times where I didn't say everything. Hold on. Rewind. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a lot when you've done a lot in your past, when you have so many years of, of living to use and using to live and just that's, that's all it is. It's all about it. And just being able to get high, you're, you're doing a lot of shit you shouldn't be doing. And you start off thinking everything's great. And then you just keep continuing to go down. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of wreckage from my past. And um, as I continue to grow at this stage of life, I think I'll be able to always, you know, try to be as open as I can about it. But for here and today, those are my stories. <laughs> <laughs> Until next season. <laughs> Until next season. And also, you know, I, I have to say, like, I'm super excited about next season. I feel like we've gotten to a really good flow now. And we have a lot of exciting things that, like, 
we're going to do next time and talk to different people and different subjects. So I'm excited to do the next step because we did the first step and now I'm excited for step two. Yeah, totally. Yeah. This was like learning season. Now season two is it's on, it's real. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. You think that's good? I think that's good. I think uh, so we're signing off for our last season for, I mean, for our last episode for season one. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, but hopefully next season we'll have more, um, like, video footage that we can put, like, on our, we're going to make, like, a TikTok and all that kind of stuff. So we have more stuff coming soon. Yeah. And we're planning. And you know, guys know how much Tara loves planning, guys. I love to plan, but then I can't execute. But we're going to we're gonna do we're it getting, this time. We're getting so much better at the execution. What are you talking about? Well, together, personally, by myself, I still suck at it. But as a team. But you keep, I don't even understand that because you keep me on track. But I really, you keep me on track. I'm just like, okay, I got to be on my A game. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Because I'm over here like, yeah, Tara's keeping but, me on track. But I you know this, what? I got to do this. And she's like over here like, I didn't, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're telling me what to do. Well, because it's one of those things. It's like I'm, I'm obsessed with time and like just. Obsessed. Yeah. Like if, if I feel like I'm supposed to be somewhere, then like I get anxiety. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. stuff like that that keeps me on track. But like mentally, I'm not like task wise on track. It's just a appointment that I feel the sense of urgency that I have to get to type thing. But that's for another season. So <laughs> well, listen, now we've been friends for, I think it's, we're coming up to almost a year now almost. and um, we've recorded 10 episodes. Can you just know like bookmark it somewhere that I am always fucking late? I'll try. That's never going to change. <laughs> like I try, I work on that because I don't, I, I try to work on it so much because I value people's time, but like, dude, I'm bad at it. <laughs> Well, I think sure. it'll be good. I'll I'll help you get closer to time and you'll help me relax that it's not, unless it's like, you know, like a job interview, I can take a deep breath and relax for a second. It's not the end of the world. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up now. Stay tuned for season two. That'll be coming out. We're going to take a break for a couple of weeks, uh, plan a little bit and start doing some recording um, we're going to try, I think, for next time to try to keep it um, not as far out as we were doing it before. Yes. Um, we're going to try to where we're a little bit more on point with that. We had started with getting um, last season with getting some episodes done because I had a lot of like events going on. But this season, we're going to try to be like more on time where you're out only like two weeks out rather than like weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. We know we did that this time around and we didn't really like it. So we're going to make sure that that doesn't happen this time around. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we are. And thank you all so much for being here, listening to us, supporting us. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Um, totally. Yeah, we do. And we love you guys so much. Yes. Thank you. We love you. And we'll see you next season. Okay. Bye. Bye.